Welcome to Talking Late Night, where we spotlight top comedians and their late night influences. Here's your host, Max Cantor. Hey everybody, and welcome to Talking Late Night. I'm your host, Max Cantor, and today on the show, I have a comedian, improviser, and writer who has performed all over Chicago at theaters like I.O., The Annoyance, and Upstairs Gallery. He's one half of the comedy duo Seriously Unprepared, and is currently a main stage performer at The Second City. So please welcome to the show, Jeff Murdoch. Welcome to the show, Jeff. Hey, thanks, Max. I'm excited to have you here. I'm excited to talk to you. And just to jump right in, uh, jump right into the interview, growing up, what types of late night television or just things in general influenced you and your comedy? Um, good question. Thank you. Um, I, I truly think the, uh, I, I think I realized just a couple of years ago that one of my biggest influences uh, has been like The Simpsons. Mm, the Simpsons. So wh- what about it? What, what drew you to it originally? Um, I mean, I think like since it was like a cartoon and it was like in syndication, so it was like always on TV. Um, when I was like out of school, I would come home and Simpsons would be on usually around like seven or so. Um, that like it was easily accessible and I liked the colors of it. I don't know, you just see animated thing. as a kid, your eyes are drawn to it. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, I just quickly fell in love with the type of comedy of like how it was just so random. There's like the sight gags, uh, everything was just sort of like. Every line sort of led into like some side joke or just a, a funny joke, um, and I feel like I've seen like my own comedy like turn into that at times. Mm-hmm. What what I remember, uh, I also liked The Simpsons growing up, and I remember something that I was very fascinated by is the way they would tell a story and how the beginning of the episode would always start somewhere completely different from where the episode ended. So I like the yeah. storytelling aspect of it. Yeah, I really like that too. And, uh, and like, another thing, like that, I don't even think I realized as a kid, but like I find in a lot of my writing now, and like just what I improvise, is they were a family that did love each other. So like they had the emotion, um, and, I, and I think that's very important. Like you know, sometimes it's great to have like uh, like some absurd, abstract comedy, but like I think when there's like emotion and people care about each other, it makes it better for me. Mm. So, were uh, growing up, were you the only one that was interested in like The Simpsons and comedy, or did you have like a friend group that all did it together? Not exactly a friend group, but like I had a. I, I feel like a lot of my friends liked The Simpsons, so we would do the lines back and forth to each other, but we never really talked about it or dissected it too much. Um, it was more of just like being uh, fans or connoisseurs of it. Oh, gotcha. Now, were, were there any other comedy shows or cartoons that you watched other than The Simpsons? Yeah, I was a really big fan of Nickelodeon. I had a Nickelodeon magazine subscription. And uh, so I watched like uh, the big three that at the time was like Doug, Rugrats, and Red and Stimpy. And like Red and Stimpy in particular, like had such a dark, fun humor that like it sometimes scared me as a kid, but like. It really like made me realize, oh, comedy can be like weird. I love that. Mm-hmm. It, it's it's interesting to hear you talk about this too, because everything you're mentioning is a cartoon, and so with that, yeah. you know, when it comes to comedy in cartoons, they can make the comedy so much more absurd and so much more mm-hmm. unrealistic than real life. So, did that? Do you think that influenced your later writing and performing? Truly, I, I think it did. Yeah, I. Uh... Like I'll often write something with like a friend, like when we're like working on a video or we're working on a sketch for a show. I'm like, oh, but how can we do that? Because like it's just so much harder 
to do things when you're not a cartoon. Mm-hmm. Right. I totally mm-hmm. agree. The, in the cartoon world, it can it's fantastic. You know, you can do anything you want. And to incorporate exactly. that into and to incorporate that into sketches and improv scenes, that's what takes it to a whole other level of just fun. Mm-hmm. It's a whole different place it can go. Yeah. Totally. Um yeah, so like there's there's times where like just what I want to do is not, I'm not able to do and then maybe I should learn animation, but yeah, I, that would take a long time. <laughs> would you ever be interested in writing for or making your own animated show? Oh, definitely. I think that'd be so cool. I was actually talking to a friend of mine recently. We're just like, how like that would be maybe at this point, one of the most exciting things to do. Because mm-hmm. I feel like you could do it and like you would be able to just like do so many crazy things and the technology is getting so good. Like that, like it it looks good. Mm -hmm. And now you're getting to the point with, like when you mentioned technology there, there are, there are shows now that blend cartoon and real life into one scene. And so that's like where we're going. And that takes, that's a whole new world now that we can explore. Oh, totally. So, back to to back up when when you're a kid and you're growing up and you're watching the Simpsons and all these other cartoons when you're watching the comedy did you feel that it was calling your name and you were like oh yeah I want to do this I want to make people laugh like how the shows are making me laugh or were you just interested um I mean like I probably off the bat I was just interested but I truly like um I've always been a ham so like I I have cousins I'm an only child but I live near my cousins and like they would always just like laugh at it, whatever I did. And I was like, I see. And I love that feeling of like, Oh, my cousins are laughing. They, and they, they like this. And like, I like making them like this. Um, and like, yeah, I just, I loved, and I've always loved the way that comedy can make people laugh. And like, I wanted to do that. I wanted to be able to make people laugh. Mm. So did that influence, uh, when, when you got to the older years of like high school and college, did that influence where you, you wanted to go and what you wanted to do? Or did you always think of comedy as like a, uh, just a hobby compared to a career? I, I think I always thought of it as a hobby. Um, I had a very practical mother. I was raised by a single mother. So she was like, you know, you should get a job. So she uh, always told me, like, we would talk about it. I'm like, oh, yeah, I like doing this. She's like, yeah, we'll just realize not a lot of people succeed at it. Um, so she always was, like, on the practical side of it. But then uh, I went to college, and I joined an improv team. Um, and I, I had seen Who's Line is Anyway and Wild and Out. And those were my experiences with improv mm. at the time. And I was like, okay, I think I like this. I, I know I like making people laugh, but I've never really done improv. Uh, and I think... As soon as I started doing that, like everything else just sort of drifted away. Like that was it. I was like, oh, like I did classes, I, I graduated, all that. But then I moved to Chicago right after college because like this is where improv is, where it lives, where it came from. Um, and I want to, I want to be there for it. Mm-hmm. So you, you mm-hmm. went, you went to Chicago specifically to pursue a career in improv. Yeah, for real. I remember uh, the week before, there's a theater here in Chicago called the Playground, the Playground Theater. Um, it's a co-op uh, theater. So, like, they have uh, everyone, every member, like, has duties and services each month. So, like, you have to work the door, you have to pull the lights, you have to clean up. Um, but I, I was moved to Chicago September 2007. 
And the, I had a friend who was like, uh, a part of that place. And he was like, Hey, they're, uh, the, we have the auditions coming up. And I was like, Oh, I have to be there for that. Uh, but the auditions were there the week before. So I remember getting in my car, driving from Ann Arbor, Michigan, where I went to college, uh, all the way to Chicago, which is about a four and a half hour drive. And, uh, I just auditioned for this and, uh, I was like, oh, cool. I hope I make it. And I lucky, luckily did. So the next day I came back to the callback, but I, uh, I made it. And then like, I moved out to Chicago with this improv team, which I was so excited about. I was like, oh yeah, I'm hitting the ground running. And I told all my friends and my family and they're like, cool, but do you have a job? Um, how are you going to make money when you're out there? And I was like, quickly brought, brought it back down to earth, but like, I was still so excited. Wow. Is that it was it hard to, you know, be so excited and then to still have people obviously they're just trying to support you, but was that difficult to still have people say like, Okay, you made it but Yeah. At times it it was very hard because like you know, I like I I think I moved to Chicago and I graduated college at like one of the worst times to try to get a job, like two thousand seven, the market housing market was getting ready to collapse, everything was just hard, nobody was really hiring. So I was like looking for work and like taking really bad jobs that I could grab. Um, but at the same time, still spending every single night watching improv or doing improv. And I think my, my family was just like, I don't get it. Mm. And it wasn't until I started working for Second City that they're like, oh, okay, I think I get it. <laughs> so during that time, you know, like you were saying, it's the economy's bad. It's hard getting that, uh, that 100% support. What was your motivation? What kept you going? Um, I mean, truly, like, I think the community here in Chicago is so amazing. Like, you can, like, I made so many great friends that, like, they kept me going. Um, and, like, we just sort of felt like we had, like, a goal in common. Like, yes, we have to make the world laugh with improv and comedy. Um, like, the camaraderie was just so amazing that even when I wasn't making money doing it, like, I thought, like, what I was, the connections I was making, the friendships I was forming, um, the skills I was learning, I really thought like this, this is fine. Like I'm all right with not making money at this point. Mm, I see. Mm. And what, what was your journey from getting to Chicago and ending up at second city? What steps, how did you get there? What was the, oh, progress? Yeah, yeah, there was a lot of steps really like, um, and like, so, you know, some people make it to second, like through second city to like Torco or the main stage quicker than others. I think I, I took a fair amount of time, although like I got to work with them in smaller aspects, uh, which was fun. And like I got to work at different theaters, which I don't know if I would have been able to um, if I had been like pulled up right away. And like Mick Napier, who runs the Annoyance and is like a comic genius, comedy genius, like is one of my good friends. But I'm like, don't know if I would be so, as close to him if I had gotten right up to Second City immediately. But the the big thing, so like you know, I started at playground and IO, did the classes, and uh, finally, like after a while, in 2012, Second City, well, like for a couple of years, I think Second City has generals every years, um, because it's the Actors Equity Theater. So every year they have to have a general audition. People can sign up. They come in. They, you know, and truly, like I, I'm so glad I'm at this point now because I remember hating improv auditions because everyone's just like stepping all over each other and trying to prove that they're the funniest at making stuff up. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, so I remember like, just like, it was so stressful because like everyone's like runs towards the stage. And like, okay, this is stressing me out. But uh, I did generals for several years and then finally got like a boat audition for we second city used to do cruises for North uh, or uh, for uh, the Norwegian cruise line NCL. So 
I did that in 2012. And then uh, I did another one in 2013, living on a cruise ship for four months at a time um, around the Caribbean. And then finally in 2014, I did a general audition where they made me an understudy for the Second City Touring Company. And then, you know, eventually 2015, got to tour. And then 17, I finally got to do a stage, and that was so exciting. But, uh, yeah, it was a long path from 2007 to 2017 to getting to the stage. Mm -hmm. But uh, it was kind of poetic in a way where I was just like, oh, yeah, on my 10th anniversary of living in Chicago, I was doing the Second City main stage. I was like, this is kind of cool. Don't know if I'd ever actually thought I would have done this because so many few, so few people get to. Right, it is a very uh, fairy tale ending after ten years. Mm-hmm. Like to, to, it's like the cherry on top. And I, I have to ask you. So you mentioned yeah. living on a cruise ship, and I have many, yeah. I have many questions about that. Uh, but the, oh the the first thing that I want to ask is not comedy related. Um, to tell you a truth about myself, I am terrified of cruise ships. I have oh a, gosh, you should be. Ter- I right, I know. I have a, I have a terrible fear of them. I'm like every. The Titanic yeah. was for real. I, I know yeah. all about it. And so I need you to tell me why I should or should not be afraid of cruise ships. Okay. Well, I mean, I guess if you want to take a cruise, I can't stop you. But I think people that go on cruises are insane. Because, like, like this, just the cruise I was on, like, it's, it's just there's so many activities – so many lights, everything's flashing. It's just like truly a place you will go with their families to be distracted and not to spend time with their family. <laughs> um, like, uh, I, I wouldn't recommend it for anyone to anyone because it, it's just so stressful. And like, truly like you got like the weirdest food. Some of it's good, but like a lot of it's just like, you, they pop open a can and they put like, okay, here is fresh. Some, this thing, <laughs> um, and GI, which is a gastrointestinal disease, is like pretty rampant on a lot of cruise ships, so people can get real sick. But I will say, uh, I was on a cruise ship for eight months, and we never had an accident. So, like, I spent like a good amount of time, and I never felt like we're gonna die. Like, sometimes the water gets choppy, but like you just gotta like go through it. But like, you know, the the captains know what they're doing. Um, and I don't think there's any big danger for a lot of cruise ships. But uh, if I can deter you from ever going on one, I would. <laughs> well, I appreciate I pre- appreciate all your insight. Um, yeah. As, as the improviser, or part of the improv group on a cruise ship, do they give you guys special housing? Do you get, like, the improv suites? Yeah, you know, so we, so a lot of, the, so the thing for the cruise ships was there's white cards and yellow cards, which is sort of like, which is shorthand for how people refer to each other sometimes. Um, the white cards were like regular NCL. We work for the company Norwegian Cruise Line. And then yellow cards were like contractors or like uh, we were the arts. So like we didn't work directly. We worked through Second City and then Second City worked for NCL sort of. Mm. Or contracted us to NCL. So we got extra rights. We were able, we didn't have a curfew, which was nice. All the other employees had curfews. curfews. Um, we were able to leave the ship whenever we, whenever like, we were at port. Um, sometimes like, you know, white cards couldn't leave. Um, and we had bigger rooms, like some of the rooms for the room stewards or waiters and waitresses or servers uh, were like six to six people to a room and they were not that big. Um, 
but we were given like uh, bigger rooms usually. On one ship, I had like basically a passenger room. On another ship, we had these officer cabins. Um, they're not like still, even though like they're nicer. We don't. They're not big, but like they were bigger than like what a lot of people had to live with. Gotcha, gotcha. Now, being being a improv performer, did you on yeah. on the cruise ship? Did you become kind of like a a mini celebrity on the ship, and like would get recognized, and people would want pictures with you outside of the theater? Yeah, it's a, it was a very weird world because our show was usually near the end of the week, which is nice. So every week you would start off being a nobody, just being like, "Oh, who the hell is this guy? We don't know." And then you do the show, and then people are like, oh, I know you. And then immediately after, they get off the ship, and you start all over again. So it was like, every week was like Groundhog Day, where it's just <laughs> like, I'm back to being a nobody, which is very nice. At, at first, it's like, oh, man, now nobody knows who I am. But you quickly are like, oh, it's easier to get places mm. when uh, you're not being stopped constantly. Because, yeah, people would want to take pictures with you because uh, you're basically living where you work. So you, they see you. They eat with you. Um I don't, like, I don't know. Are you commuting too, Max? Mm, yeah. Yeah. I, I get this a lot, like, or I got this a lot on the cruise ship. Like, people would, like, you know, you'd say a line in a show or, like, do a character, and they would, like, instead of, um, like, talking to you like humans, they'd be, like, oh, like do the line back at you. And it's like, <laughs> yep, that, yep. That is what I said. <laughs> and so it was always, like, Thank you. Like and, they, and like the thing is, like they wanted to be funny too, or they thought they were funny, so they want to just joke with you. Mm-hmm. I had one really interesting time. We did um, a murder mystery on the cruise as well, where like we would there'd be a lunch and we would do this weird murder mystery in uh, the middle of a room. So like it wasn't like that. Like you know, it, it was cool. Like oh, everyone saw how it worked. It was it, it was all right though. But we did the murder mystery, and afterwards, uh, a guy came up to us and was like. Um, were you, did you guys all work on the state and like, you know, the state from like the nineties mm-hmm. with like Michael Ian Black mm-hmm. and Michael Showalter and David Wayne. Mm-hmm. Um, like, and he, he was like, did you all work on the state? We were like, uh, no, we were all like 10 when that came out. <laughs> um, but he was like, oh, okay. I thought I recognized you. I, uh, I was, uh, used to work as a PA on the set and I was like, there's no way you thought we worked on the state. We're too, way too young. <laughs> yeah. I think you just wanted to drop it. Like, yeah, I've worked with comedians. Right. <laughs> yeah. You know, it, it's funny that you mentioned about people coming up to you and repeating a line because I've had it where, like, with improv, when I've done it, people will come up later and will be like, oh, my God, do you remember when you did this? And, like, I don't yeah. And I, I don't remember. You know, with improv, you're throwing out so much. It's so hard oh to gosh. remember everything that you do. Even the yeah. greatest lines are lost in history. And so you just have to smile and nod and go, I do remember. It was yeah, exactly. funny. It was funny, wasn't it? And they're like, yeah. yeah. And, but it's I totally fame. get it. <laughs> right. I totally yeah. get that. Now, it's also, that's. Yeah, that's also the thing when like someone sees a great improv show, they try to explain it to you. It's like <laughs> right. it's gone, it's gone. Right, but, it's like, gone. Thank you for, I don't understand why the guy dressed as a or why the guy pretending to be a dog running for <laughs> right. a governor. It was funny at the time, but like I'm sure it was. Right, exactly, and that's that's just the the funniest thing about improv because 
in that moment, you know, that man acting like a dog running for governor is the best thing in the entire world. Yeah. You know, it's oh life changing. It's like, put this sketch on SNL right now. Like, this is going to go viral. And then you explain yeah. it to somebody the next day. And it's like, that was the stupidest work. thing I've ever heard. Yeah. It's weird. That's it's weird. It's so hard. Yeah. Like, in like improv, I mean, like any improv show you see, like, or like a television show, like when they would do like Who's Line and like, I mean, I guess short form works in a, its own way, but like, there's like no, like long form just doesn't work mm-hmm. that way. Like you can't put it on TV. Like there's something, something is lost when you record it and like you're not in the room with it. Mm-hmm. And I have to say though, that's, that's what makes improv, like you were saying, so hard, but also mm-hmm. one of the most magical forms of comedy that is out there because in that moment where there's a, an amazing line or an amazing moment the only people who are ever going to experience that moment are the performers and the audience right then. Yeah. And no one will yeah. ever get that ever again. And it's kind of a special bond. Yeah. Yes, totally. That's a really good way. Of, it, is, it is a special bond. That's a great way to describe it. Uh, but that's what, that's what makes improv so great. Yeah, I know. I, uh, I went to a bachelor party once um, for a good friend and I got really, and I had a friend that showed up later and he was nearly as drunk as I was at this point. We were just sort of like playing beer pong at this place we rented and just having like a good time. And we were talking about like the like the years we'd spent doing improv and like I just got like oh, I love improv and I was like that's the most embarrassing thing I've ever said. <laughs> yeah. um, and I do, but like you know, getting drunk and be like I love this stuff. Yeah. It's just like what am I doing? <laughs> well, I understand. I can relate because I too exactly. I too love improv. Yeah. Now on the cruise ship, did you ever get a chance to? To steer it, steer it? No, uh, I don't think I'm not. There's like certain like rules, so like we had to go through all this training on the ship, like because uh, so like cruises we go to different countries and they're like, you know, airplanes. They would like the security guard talked about how like airports are like places for hard terrorism where like it would be intense, like I usually like nine eleven, like it's it's just like very dangerous. That's why it's super strict. But then they said like the cruise ships were like a sort of soft terrorist thing where like people could get on them and like get into the country. So like we had all this training and there were so many areas that were just off limits. And like, if you weren't supposed to be there, you would be detained. And like, so yeah, I don't think the cab, I don't think the, uh, or what do you call it? The bridge we were allowed to go into. Jeez. But, uh, that's that so, would have been cool. That's so intimidating. Like you're just a comedian. You're just there to make people laugh. <laughs> yeah. We were like, we had training. Like if someone, starts choking here's what you do and like oh my god if someone is like trying to get on a ship here's what you do I'm like oh fuck right like right we totally. had like uh we did two monthly like everyone else had to do weekly duties but like since we were contractors we got lucky and like we had to do monthly duties on the ship which is our monthly drills on the ship so we had to get up early one day and just like stand in our designated area and like you know, get like act like we we're gonna get on like a, a lifeboat. We just had to be ready for this stuff, and it's like this is too much for my comedian ass. Like I don't know. Yeah, I I totally I totally understand that. Um, mm-hmm. Now, after after the cruise ship, when when you went back to Chicago, was there an adjustment mm-hmm. in like the style that you perform or the way you would perform? Like, did you have to adjust anything, or was it just like, all right, I'm doing the same thing back on land? It, you know, like performance-wise, I felt like it was pretty easy. I think some people have adjustments. Um, I luckily, I don't know, I just like got back into it um, pretty easily. Um, 
the biggest adjustment was just like living life. Cause like you're used to like living in a cabin and like seeing the same six or so people every day that you like are in your castmates. Um, so like, I remember like getting off the ship and like not knowing what to do. Like I had too much freedom. I wasn't used to being on land at night. Um, I truly spent like the first week just watching Netflix and I was like, <laughs> I don't, I don't know what to do, but, uh, I slowly like, uh, met with people again. It's like, Hey, let's be friends and hang again. I'm back. Yeah. Um, but performance wise, it was pretty easy. Like the biggest thing I got from the cruise ship was like, it really, we were play, performing for audiences of a thousand and sure they like had to be there or didn't have to be at that show, but they were like stuck on the ship and like not a lot to do. But uh, I think it really polished me because uh, I was used to playing to like rooms of like thirty or mm. fifty. Um, so doing a room of a thousand, it's like okay, you have to project in a different way. Like I just felt more polished hosting and stuff. So mm. that was a nice, uh, nice uh, thing to come from it. Mm, yeah, for sure. When did you start writing your own material? Um, almost immediately when I moved to Chicago. Like I moved here with a bunch of friends from the uh, University of Michigan. Uh, and we, uh, we formed a sketch group, me and my buddy, or me and two of my buddies lived on the street called Sunnyside here in Chicago. And we called our sketch group Sunnyside Sketch. And, uh, we started writing almost immediately that first year, hanging out with our friends. And then we, uh, uh, rented a place and put the show up. And I feel like I, I love improv and, um, I'm not afraid to admit it, <laughs> but, uh, I, I think, I've always done improv and sketch sort of at the same time. And I've always like held them in the same regard. Like they're both very fun. They're both very important to me. So I've like every year I think I've done a sketch show. I just really, I like to write as much as I'd like to perform. Mm. What, what's your method to writing sketches? How do you craft your ideas? Um, I don't really have a, a, a method per se. I work better with others. Like mm. uh, solo material is my weakness and my bang. Um, there's something about like just walking around, walking around a room for me, like pacing and spitballing at someone like, is this funny? Blah, 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 blah. Here's an insane idea. And like, they'll be like, yes, that is funny. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's why I work better with a writing partner mm -hmm. instead of like by myself. Cause like writing myself, I'm like, is this funny? I don't know. Nothing's funny. I give up. And like, <laughs> I immediately like am down on myself. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I can relate to that. My That's how I write is uh, mm -hmm. spitballing with others because like for me, I sit down or I'll come up with an idea and I'll sit down and I'll be like, all right, now what happens? You know what I mean? Like yeah, it's it's exactly. so difficult. But when you're with somebody else, you can just say, okay, but what if this? What if this? What if this? And that's where improv comes into play because you just improvise these scenes by yourself out loud. And then when exactly. someone else is there, it makes it a whole lot easier. Totally. Couldn't agree more. Now, you mentioned writing with someone else, so I think this is a great place to talk about Seriously Unprepared. Um, yeah. What is Seriously Unprepared? Describe it and how it came about. Well, Seriously, uh, Seriously Unprepared is a two-person group between with, with me and my friend Joe Scott. Um, she's uh, my best friend in Chicago, so it worked, that works out well. But, uh, yeah, we started out years ago. I think I always forget how long we've been together, but I would guess, like, eight years at this point as a team, as a duo. Um, and it was just, it was this smallish festival that our friend put together called like, uh, oh gosh, I don't know what it was called, but like it was at this uh, theater in uh, Chicago, a smaller theater. Um, he rented the space and like over the weekend, like Friday, Saturday, Sunday, he just like asked people to be part of this festival because he's like, I want to try to put together a festival. So uh, she asked me, she's like, hey, do you want to, 
you want to do this? And I was like, sure, sounds fun. And uh, the form that we did for improv was, we call it Check It Out. And it's just, I was like, back and forth, like, yo, check it out. We get suggestions, like, hey, so the suggestion is a uh, hat. Hey, check it out. I don't really like to wear a hat. Like, I think it messed my hair up too much. Then she would say something, like, just back and forth until, like, we come to, like, a cacophony, and then we just improvise based on that. Um, we came up with that drunkenly at a party where it was just, like, really trying to make our friends laugh and we're doing this like go check it out blah 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 back and forth and we're like that's funny you should do that as your form <laughs> um yeah so like we a drunk chicago party like really wrote like what we our comedy uh improv which we still do when we do like runs at io and annoyance but um we did that and then um eventually we started writing pilots uh because we found out from our buddy or where our friend came to our friend Steve Sullivan came to Joe Scott one day and said, hey, I live above an antique shop. And they said they would let me film there. Can you write a pilot about an antique shop? <laughs> so she's like, yeah, can I get Jeff involved? So we started writing about this antique shop, about a brother-sister duo who uh, our parents were dead. And I, I had to come help her run this antique shop. Um, I'm from Brooklyn, not New York, Brooklyn. Uh, and uh, we, we just ran this because she was like running it into the ground. And I had more of a business mind. Um, and it was fun. It was called Family Heirloom. We did that. Then we took it to NYTVF. There's a TV and film competition and festival in New York. It's so fun. I recommend anyone to submit to it if they will have the idea of writing and filming. Um, we've been like two or three times. And like we consider the people that run that part of our family now, which is so fun and friendly. We've worked with them on other projects. Um, but yeah, so we started writing pilots. And then doing sketch shows, uh, like at the Annoyance, and um, we do a lot of videos nowadays. You can see those all on seriouslyrepaired.com. Great, funny videos. Some of them are very weird and dark. <laughs> um, yeah, we just sort of realized like that we both have like such a similar sense of humor, like this dark um, sense of humor, and like that nothing is sort of like nothing is sacred. Like so, we just like really like we'll go dark, like dead children. Uh, wild animal, like just like anything that seems like weird or wild, we are like willing to tackle in it. Um, yeah, so it's really fun to work with on those. What's the difference between writing, uh, besides the length, obviously, what's the difference between writing a pilot and a sketch? Um, the difference, yeah, the difference between writing a pilot and a sketch, I mean, the sketch can sort of be. I, I think it goes back to like uh, the Simpsons for me as um, a callback uh, where like the Simpsons, like there has to be heart there, you know, like a sketch is so quick. A sketch can be like an insane idea where both people hate each other so much or like don't know each other, but it's just a funny bit. And it doesn't have to be, it could be like a, a sketch with heart, but uh, I think a pilot absolutely needs to have heart. Like, Otherwise, why do you want to spend 30 minutes watching these people do stuff if they don't like each other? Why should I like them? Mm -hmm. uh, a sketch is much more loosened up. And like you could watch like, oh, that guy's an asshole. I will watch this though because it's two minutes or three minutes. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I, I think it's about love and heart. Mm -hmm. And did you, the way you wrote the pilot, was it the same way like we were just talking where you were just spitballing and Joe helped you write it down? Oh, yeah, totally. We had a... We were like, okay, we got to do this scene now. And like, all right. And uh, we knew what we needed to. Like, we had like that beat list mm -hmm. for a lot of these. But we're like, we knew what we need to get in the scene to get to the next scene. And then we just like would improvise back and forth, like as the characters. 
and like sort of just like write that down if something was really funny. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it, it was sort of like, um, I mean, I think that's what like, curb your enthusiasm is on the, <clears throat> on the, on his feet though. So we took like what they do while they're filming. Um, and we just had the beat list and did the performing in the room and then like wrote it down. Oh, gotcha. So that, yeah. that must've been super fun to film. It was, Oh yeah, it was a blast. And we got to work with our friends. <clears throat> so like, you know, it, I mean, like, I wouldn't mind working with, like, strangers, like, actors we found on, like, Craigslist, but, like, when you work with your friends, it's just like, oh, yeah, this is a blast already, and now we can just, you know, like, make it looser and have fun, and, like, add stuff to it if they have any ideas. And they, like, did. I'm like, it's a crazy, like, so many talented friends. Mm-hmm. Is there, so, the the pilot, is it available somewhere online? Yeah, it's on our website, um, seriouslyrepaired.com, Family Heirloom. I think we... Gosh, we have like another web series. We went to Just for Laughs in Montreal last year with another web series called uh, Curfew, where it's like I was playing these two parents and with a string of parent uh, kids that came in late and like we had, they had to give us excuses. It was really fun. We got to work with some really great friends like uh, um, like Katie Rich, Claire Mullaney, Peter Jagodowski, Paul Jerowitz, like just some of the funniest comedians like that you've probably seen somewhere or have heard their name like like write for SNL or write for like late night talk shows. Like they're great. Mm-hmm. And like, yeah, I mean like that's the thing about Chicago. Like we have like this home base where like we have so many talented friends that go on to so many things, but like they'll come back and like, we all remember like, you know, remember when we just drank too many PBRs that one night. <laughs> right. Because, because, uh, there are so many people in Chicago who go on to do what, like you were just saying, writing for SNL or for late night. Do you ever feel a pressure that like you need to do that in order to be considered successful? Definitely. Sometimes. Um, I mean, like whether from in or without, like my, like you, you, everyone has their family members who are like, Hey, so when are you going to be on SNL? It's like, truly, I wish I knew. Mm -hmm. Um, or like, you know, just audience members after shows like, oh, that's so good. I can't wait to see you on SNL. It's like, yeah. Um, so like you get those pressures built up and like, you know, you obviously want it. You want you want to move on to that next step. Um, but like, uh, I think, you know, definitely now there's like more opportunities um, doing other things. And like, I think it's one of those things where I'm like, okay, I don't need to be a star, I guess. Um but like you want to be doing like I I don't see myself doing anything else, mm-hmm. and like I think I've you know been like all right well maybe you won't like be a household name that's all right but like you know it it would be just nice um, to do some project after this that like will help pay bills mm-hmm. um, so yeah there's a, there's a lot of pressure there and like battling inner demons like about like failure and like uh, like oh yeah you're a nobody but um, I really recommend therapy for anybody who has that it helps out quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Do you find that uh, like the community in Chicago helps bring each other up? Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, you know, sometimes obviously sometimes you get somebody that like doesn't. You get like bad people, uh, as you might in any community. But like, I feel for the most part, like Chicago weeds them out. And I'm sure like New York and LA has similar like um, communities. But like Chicago, I just felt like really weeds out the scumbags sometimes. And like, hey, no, we don't want to deal with this. Um, you're a bad, uh, bad performer, or bad person, or like whatever reason, like you're like, hey, you're being a selfish, selfish individual, and I think Chicago doesn't stand for that. And like, you will usually, I mean, there's obviously exception or exceptions, but usually we'll uh, call that out and 
won't deal with it. Mm-hmm. Do you ever foresee yourself eventually moving to New York or Los Angeles? I think so. I, I definitely like, I mean, I've been here 11 years now and I, I love Chicago. Um, but I mean, one of the, like, one of the things is like so many of my friends have moved to LA and New York that like, even though I recognize a city, like I know like the, you know, restaurants and places and bars and theaters, but like uh, the people change every year. And like, I think Chicago's a, a young person's game. Like it's, it's great. It's like comedy college. Mm. You know, you come here and like, you know, you get to geek out with your friends over like, Oh my gosh, did you see what they did in that show? Or, you know, you get the individual, you get the, the ability to perform in shows. Like I, there's so much space here to do shows that like, there's times where I'm like, I don't want to take up like a new kid's uh, position. Like I want, I want to keep moving. I don't want to become static. I want them to have the opportunities I did. Wow, that's 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 really awesome to hear, especially for someone like me who is more young in the comedy game and the comedy world yeah. compared to someone like you who's more of a veteran. Um, that's awesome. That's awesome to hear. I very much appreciate that. Yeah, of course. Yeah, I mean, like. There was times where I wish I had more stage time coming up, and I'm like, now that we like, we have the spaces, like I could do, and like there's times when I've caught myself doing it, and like my friends do it, like you've been doing it so long that like sometimes we'll do a show and we won't be like at a hundred percent, or we won't like be putting in like the affection or the energy that we used to, and like I'm like, dang, this isn't good. Like I don't, I don't want to be doing like half-ass improv mm-hmm. at like 11 p.m. on a Wednesday. Um, if I'm not into it, I need to step aside. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now with your role as a main stage performer at second city, what does mm-hmm. that consist of? Like, what are you doing on a nightly basis? Um, good question. Uh, currently we're in a weird fun time called the process, which is when we, uh, we write the show. So like every day currently, we, I get up like in the morning after like I have an assignment to do. So I, I write whatever it is. Sometimes it's good. Sometimes it's awful. Uh, bring it in. We rehearse it. We talk, talk through it. And they're like, all right, we're going to put it in the show. We'll put it in the set tonight, either one. And then we'll do the show at night. And then uh, we'll do it in the set. And uh, it'll either, either be amazing or good or it'll bomb. And the audience will be like, what is that? I don't get that. I don't like that. Mm. And it's truly like disheartening when you're like, oh yeah, I think this is funny. And the audience does not. Right. Um, so it's again, a constant like, right, right, right. Pitch, 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 perform, perform, perform. And then you crash. Mm-hmm. Um, and then once the show is open, which will be opening, uh, I think December, then we'll just run it every night. So every night so it's eight shows a week for the second city, six nights a week. Uh, then we do it like Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, two show Friday, two show Saturday, and then Sunday. And then, um, we have our days free and uh, we just have to like be at the theater by 8 PM. Um, so it's like, it opens up a lot and like gives you a lot of free time. Once you're done with the process to like audition or like see friends that don't have nine to fives. That's the hardest part is like, just, like finding time to see friends. Cause like, with this job, we only have one night off. So mm-hmm. a lot of my friends work office jobs where I can't see them uh, for months at a time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm sure that's I'm sure that that's difficult, and it must get so tiring. Like you're just mm-hmm. cranking it out. So what keeps you? Um, I know we talked a little bit earlier about when when you find yourself half-assing it, but what keeps you every show just giving it a hundred percent and going, going, going? Man, that I, I always try to figure that out. Uh, you know, it's um, 
I like my calves, so that's that's very helpful. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, like there's been calves where I think people don't get along, and I and I just can't imagine. And I'm like, wow, how do you do this insane job if you're not loving the people you're with? Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think like you know, joking with each other backstage. Honestly, a lot of times we'll get a little goosey, loosey goosey in the show, and like play around with scenes or like try to make each other break on stage. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes we'll have challenges, like you know, we'll have like a little tiny object, and like you have to pass this option to people. They're in scenes that the audience can't see. And like, that's <laughs> always fun. So like, there's like games to keep our mind, mind alert. Mm-hmm. Um, and like that, that is like, that is so like when, Oh, and like another thing is like when we have like somebody get sick, go out, we have understudies and like, uh, it, it's always so funny. Like, cause like somebody will do this over and over and over again. And like, you're used to their, how they deliver line, how they perform. And then they go out and like the understudy will be closed because they've been watching videos, watching the show, reading the scripts. But like there'll just be mannerisms that are off, um, or are different, not even off, just like they do it their own way. So like that like throws you for a loop and like that's kind of exciting. You're like, oh my gosh, I've got to like really recommit because like they're doing these lines in a different way and I gotta mm. like really recommit. And that's weirdly fun. Right. It, well, that's it, it's you guys are keeping it interesting every single night for yourselves, and so it'd mm-hmm. be it'd be interesting for like an audience member to see you do the show, you know, every single day for two yeah. weeks and see all the the different the little ways the little nuances that change. Yeah. So we have house in the waitstaff. They uh they see people. They make sure people don't take photos and they serve. So uh, we they're 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 there like most nights. So, like we have a special relationship with them. Like. Mm. They're the they're that audience member who like, I mean they're working, but like they're watching the show too while they work. Mm-hmm. So they see our show more than anyone, right? So it's always fun to talk to them where they're like, "Oh my god, I loved it when you do it did it this way," or like just they'll just be like, "I love that scene." Uh, do you know when you used to do it like this? And just like, "Oh my god, yeah." Mm-hmm. Um, so that's always really fun having that relationship. Mm-hmm. Now, when you're when you're performing, are you guys just doing like written stuff, sketch, or are you also doing improv shows as well? Um, for us, I mean, and that, like that improv shows, but we'll have like improv slots. Mm. Um, so like some of it, like most of it, will be sketch. But then like every now and then, if we get a really good sketch or an improv idea, like uh, like an improv shell, so like we'll have like we'll pitch it this way, like hey, we're gonna do this thing based on something, and then we'll do improv there. Gotcha. But uh, yeah, I think in general, like not many of us have the opportunity to do more shows at this time because like it is just such a commitment. Like it's six nights a week um, at like 8 p.m. I used to do a, a sketch show or an improv show with Joe Scott from Seriously Prepared Wednesday nights. Um, so I would do like my IO or I would do Second City show and I would run over to IO with her and we'd do that show. Mm. Um, and like I, that, that's like manageable like for like brief stints but like it, it gets tiring real quick. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm sure. So it's it's hard to like find different opportunities. So we do a lot more video work during the day because that's that is easier. Mm-hmm. And how long do you get to keep your role as a main stage performer? We have contracts, so they usually last about like somewhere around a year. So the first contract I did, we started in August and we just finished in uh, early September or mid September. Yeah. So like that went like slightly over a year. Um, some contracts run a lot shorter. Like the show just like doesn't last as long for whatever reason, or like too many people left, so they have to turn it over. Um, luckily, most of our cast stayed until the very end. I think we had one person leave 
early, but like oh, by early, I mean like I think she left like three weeks. So mm. ours went like almost yeah, went, like went over a year. Gotcha. And so once you're, but once you're a main stage performer, uh, the and you stay through your contract, do they make you re audition, or they just uh, if they would like to keep you, they just give you a new contract? They just give you a new contract. Gotcha. At least like that's how it's been for us. I don't know if there's ever a pl- uh, point like when they did that in the past where like okay we're gonna re-audition you but like yeah nowadays it's usually just like new contract you want to do this sign here all right here your blackout dates where you can't leave write us a show yeah gotcha well jeff i only have a uh, one more question for you this is a question yeah. that i ask every single one of my guests so every single person has answered this uh and the question is um if there is someone who eventually wants to be in your shoes what piece of advice would you give them? Ooh, good question. Um, I guess I would say don't try to be cool. Um, yeah, like commit fully. Look like an idiot. Um, no, like the people that try to look cool don't last. Like they, uh, they're not doing it for the right reasons. Like they're doing it for like trying to be famous or trying to uh, – trying to just like be something different, but like they, they're not into it. I think like commit with your like hundred percent of your heart and then it'll just come easier. It'll make sense. Everything will fall into place. Yeah. So don't be cool. Nice. Trust Th- me. I'm not. <laughs> well, uh, that was the correct answer. So you, oh, cool. you nailed it. Excellent job. Yeah. Uh, Thanks, Max. <laughs> so, Jeff, if people want to either learn more about you or more about Seriously Unprepared or see you perform at Second City, what are ways that they can find you? Great question, Max. Um, I think uh, so. Like, we got a couple websites, uh, www.seriouslyunprepared.com. That's Seriously Unprepared is where we have most of our videos. We have our our, pro, our our pilots, uh, family heirloom. Um, we have a lot of information about ourselves. Uh, that's the best place. I also have a website, jeffmurdock.com. Um, there's some, some videos on there. Um, and then, uh, you know, if you want to come to Chicago, uh, you know, we got secondcity.com. Go there, buy your tickets. Uh, I'm usually at Second City uh, six nights a week, so odds are you can probably see me perform. Um, we're currently working on an untitled show, so we don't have a title for that yet, but coming soon, it'll be pretty cool. Mm. Um, or you can follow me on Twitter at JSMurd. All right. Perfect. Well, thank you so much, Jeff. Thanks for being on the Thanks, show. Thanks, My pleasure. It's been fun. I love talking about improv. And when, when you said the show was untitled, for some reason, it made me think of the, the next Avengers movie, the one after oh, Infinity yeah. War, how it, like no one knows what that title is and no one knows. So I'm going to put you guys on par with the next Avengers movie. That's how, hell yeah. that's how excited I am for it. <laughs> Damn, um, thanks, Max. But yeah, thanks for being on the show. And uh, remember, to anyone listening, uh, you can listen to more of our, web, uh, our episodes at www.talkinglatenight.com. You can also find us on Facebook at Talking Late night and you can like us and follow us on itunes where you can rate and leave us a review so thanks again to jeff for being on the show thanks you for listening and we'll see you next time bye